Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh from the podcast team at Qalam. We wanted to wish you a very blessed Ramadan. This month you can expect daily uploads that will include reflections, khatiras and khutbas all from our new campus Alhamdulillah. If you benefit from this content, please give generously at supportqalam.com. 100% of your donations goes towards the means of providing accessible Islamic knowledge to people around the world. Jazakumullah khairan for listening. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah wa kafa wa salamun ala ibadihi alladhin astafa. Khususan ala sayyidi rusuli wa khatamil anbiya wa ala alihi al-askiya wa ashabihi al-atqiya amma ba'd. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran Ala bidhikrillahi tatma'innu al-qulub. Verily through the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala do hearts seek contentment. The heart of the insan will always look for peace. You may find shades of temporary tranquility in pockets of your life. But true happiness belongs to the heart and it will only be content once it is connected with its creator. When you connect this heart with its creator, that's where it finds true peace. And that peace is not temporary. That peace is not fake that it's only with you in good moments and then it's gone when the song is over. That peace stays with you whenever you are, wherever you are. Time and place become irrelevant. When a person has Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's remembrance embedded in their heart, moments of difficulty also become ease. As when, when Urdu poet said, Itni wa basta hai tere naam ke There is such tranquility and peace attached to your name. Need kanto par bhi ajati hai aram ke That I can lie on a bed of thorns and I can sleep in peace there too. And this is basically the summary of the life of Bilal radiallahu anh. That within those moments of pain you find peace because you know the one that you are sacrificing for is with you and will remain with you. That sacrifice only pushes you closer to him. When a person's heart is embedded in dhikr and then they are tested by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they don't drift away from Allah, it actually pushes them closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is the moral of almost all the stories mentioned regarding the Prophets salam. Ayyub salam, Zakariya salam, Yahya salam, all of them. That no matter how challenging their life became, they continued to drift closer and closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Until the point where Zakariya salam's story is quite beautiful because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, ذِكْرُ رَحْمَةِ رَبِّكَ عَبْدَهُ Zakariya. And then, إِذْنَا رَبَّهُ نِدَاءً خَفِيًّا Allah is remembering, reminding us of a very private moment in the life of Zakariya He made it private. But it was so beautiful and so dear what he was doing, probably didn't even have a sound. He was very softly calling out to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, making a dua at an old age. إِنِّي وَهَنَ الْعَظْمُ مِنِّي الرَّأْسُ And then he's making dua, Ya Allah, yarithuni wa yarithu min Ali Yaqub. Give me a child who will be an inheritor. 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepts his dua. When a person's heart is soaked in the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in reality, you can never be separated from Allah then. Because that's what love does. Once it exists, you can't just yank it out of the ground and throw it away. The example of true love is like that of a grain. It's like that of a seed. This is why some scholars of language, they say, the word muhabba actually is uh, taken from the word habba. And habba in Arabic means a seed. And love and the seed have a lot in common because if you want love to exist, you have to bury it first into the ground. If you want a tree to exist, you have to take that seed and bury it in the ground. And the same goes with love. It doesn't start externally. It starts by a stirring of the heart. It starts by someone engaging in the heart. This is the biggest lesson that a murabbi, a parent, can offer to their child. It's from a young age, begin to stir those emotions in their heart, the love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then once you place that seed in the ground, you have to give it the right environment, give it the right soil, save it from any, uh, any, any bird that wishes to tear it out of the ground, keep watering it, give it the right sunlight. And slowly but surely after its roots have set it deep into the soil, it will then sprout outwards. And then it will grow, grow, grow until the branches come out, the fruits are hanging. Now everyone can see it and people can benefit from this love too. And the thing about this tree is you can't just pull it out of the ground and walk away. It won't allow that because it's deep rooted. This is what muhabba actually does to a person. And we see this in the life of Rasulullah That when he comes out of Ta'if and he's covered in his own blood, a few weeks ago, for the first time in my life, I had the honor of visiting Ta'if. And we went to the place where Adas offered food to Rasulullah Nabi was hungry, thirsty, and very sad. There's a masjid there called Masjid Adas. There's no road that leads there. You have to walk through a small little alley because tourism, the, visa, tour, visa, the tourist visa has just started, so tourists haven't started coming there. So that area, to a degree, is untouched. When we went there, you know how we offered Rasulullah berries? Berries still grow in that same place. Right there. I remember when we were leaving the Masjid Adas, we sat down with our group of Mu'tamideen and we talked to them about the story of Taif. When we were leaving, one person came and he said, let me offer you a berry from this garden. And he gave one to me. And I kid you not, when I put that berry in my hand, I just held it and I lifted it. It was so dark in color that it stained my hand instantly. On the spot it stained my hand. I had never seen a fruit with such deep color and such a beautiful tart flavor. Rasulullah after he leaves Ta'if, when he's sad and he's broken, when he raises his hands and makes dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, one of the most valuable moments in the history of mankind. He doesn't complain against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because he loves Allah and he knows that's not the right way to speak to the one that you love. Shikaya Allah haram. Shikaya ilallah mustahab. Complaining against Allah, prohibited. Who dare make a complaint against Allah? La yus'alam Complaining to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is from the tariqah and the method of the Anbiya alayhim salam. Innama ashku bathi wa huzni ilallah. And by the way, that is connected with fasabrun jameel. Where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about the best form of patience, right away Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about how he complained to Allah. He talked to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? And Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa when he makes his dua, because he understands the maqam of Allah, 
Because he understands in this relationship where he is and where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, he says, Allahumma ashku ilayka dhu'fa quwwati wa qillata hilati wa hawani ala nas ya rabbal mustadha'afeen ila man takilni. He basically complains against himself. Dhu'fa quwwati. Ya Allah, I wasn't strong when I stood there. This is Rasulullah speaking after he spilled his heart out in front of the people of Taif. A man that walked in with such great hopes, shattered. And then at the end of that dua, he says, Ya Allah, if you are not angry at me, فَلَا أُبَالِي Then I do not care, let's go do it again. This is love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That you don't bail on the first sight of test from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah tests those who He loves. So those that are truthful in their love stand out like bright stars. They become sources of light for humanity because they stood through the test of love. Now people, they say that this whole thing of the remembrance of Allah bringing peace to the heart. And today's discussion, the, one of the greatest forms of remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the Qur'an itself. So they say that you say that if we read the Qur'an, it'll bring peace to our heart, it'll change our life perspective. But I've been reading the Qur'an for years and it doesn't do anything to me. In reality, listening to the Qur'an while I'm driving is one of the most boring activities that I can do. It'll put me to sleep, it's a hazard. So. How is the Qur'an sukoon, how does it bring peace that I don't feel? But on the other hand, when I listen to music or if I'm listening to some rap or some whatever uh, genre you're most interested in, it brings so much more peace. Does that mean that this is superior to the Qur'an? Our shaykh once gave a shares, shared a story with us that I think captures the answer to this concern very clearly. Back in the day before sewerage systems existed, one common concept was like a septic tank. Or what people would do is that after they were done relieving themselves, a person would come every evening and collect all the stool from everyone's home. They would carry it in some container, go to the court outside, go to the area outside the city, dump it there, and then they would do it every day. Do you guys understand? One person would come, he'd pick up all the stool from everyone's home, and then dump it out and then do it every day. This was a whole industry. It was a need, so people did it. One day, one person was trying to cross the road and this was his job. His job was to carry these baskets and go dump them out. He noticed that the road was blocked. He asked the people, what happened here? They said, well, someone's fainted and we've tried to resuscitate him and wake him up, but he's not waking up. The practice was that if someone was fainted, you take a strong fragrance, put it by their nose and they would wake up. Even today they do this. They said, we've been trying it, this guy's not waking up. So he went to the front and he looked at the guy and it was one of his work colleagues. He said, this guy's not gonna wake up through your scent. He dipped his finger in the basket, took the stool, put it next to his nose and that guy woke up. <laughs> and our Sheikh said, when people surround themselves in a particular environment, what works for some doesn't work for them anymore. When the heart is tainted and you've just fed yourself heart, you've fed yourself garbage and garbage. A more simple example, if I may give to you, 
A child, if you give them broccoli, they want to enjoy the flavor of it. Because why? They've been used to eating nerds and eating, um, I don't know what candy there is, but all the wild, crazy, colorful, sugar-filled candy of the world that when you give them something that is natural and healthy and if cooked right is probably the most delicious thing that a person can eat, they don't find taste in it anymore. They can't enjoy it. They see people, you give them food without spices, they can't enjoy it. I'm one of them, right? You have to make sure you overspice it because their nafs, has, their tabi'ah has become that. Their nature is now inclined to that. And just as there are people in this world who won't find peace and contentment without their rap song, without their hip-hop, without their profanity, vulgar-filled music, just as there are people like that, the opposite exists as well. There are those people who have embedded in themselves in the dhikr of Allah and they've only known the tilawah of the Qur'an and they've surrounded themselves by good people. And their life is morning and evening dhikr and tilawah. They spend their time in the masjid, they raise their hands in front of Allah and make dua. If you saw one of these mashayikh with your eyes and you played a song in front of them, do you think they would find peace in your music? Huh? Never. They wouldn't. They'd feel disturbed in that moment. They'd have a worse reaction than you have when you listen to the Qur'an. Why is that? Because, وَلِلنَّاسِ فِيمَا يَعْشِقُونَ مَذَاهِبُ For every person, there is something that they are attached to. And then they choose that path of theirs carefully. And this is a great opportunity for us to assess where we are. Are we those that when we hear the dhikr, when we hear the tilawah of the Qur'an that our hearts are lifted? Or are we those that become very sad and almost broken when the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is recited or the verses of the Qur'an are recited before us? This point of reality or realization is necessary. Because now it allows us to make a decision that what kind of people are we going to be? Are we going to be those people who will turn, turn on that radio or sink our Bluetooth the moment we get into the car just for 10 minutes and just keep our ears you know, locked on to this stuff? And the truth is that I'm not here to talk about a fatwa on music. Everyone knows the rulings. Here I'm talking about how these things distract us from tilawah. This endless cycle of news that we listen to, this NPR, these podcasts. If it's khair, if there's good in it, then keep it going. But if it's just information for the sake of information, how many episodes of NPR have you listened to this week and how much of that information do you actually retain? It's just extra information occupying, you know, square foot, like space in our head that's not being utilized. On the other hand, that very same time can be used listening to the Qur'an. This is what I'm proposing. If you're saying that I don't have time to read the Qur'an, mashi, that, okay, we can make an argument there. But what about listening to it? Why can't we start there? That we utilize our day and night. How many of us know of people that have memorized entire songs just by listening to them? Does anyone know someone like this? Have you ever seen someone who knows the lyrics of a song and it was a result of them printing out the lyrics and one by one, I love you, I love you, I love you. Okay, what was yesterday's sabaq? That's not how people memorize the lyrics of songs. How do they memorize these lyrics? Sima, they're hearing them. If this works with that, how does it not work with the Qur'an? Look at children whose parents play the Qur'an for them every night before they go to sleep. Go look at those kids at a young age 
with broken words they can say قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَدْ They'll skip two ayat and then repeat the first one again But it's a work in progress But it's beautiful Because these people have benefited from their sama' From this beautiful gift of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Their ability to hear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Qur'an He tells us in Surah Luqman وَمِنَ النَّاسِ مَنْ يَشْتَرِي لَهُوَ الْحَدِيثِ لِيُضِلَّ عَنْ سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ بِغَيْرِ عِلْمِ وَيَتَّخِذَهَا هُزُوَ What happened was in Mecca Mukarramah, when Rasulullah would recite the Qur'an, naturally people were influenced. They would listen, the crowds would gather around. There was a person by the name of another bin Harith. He didn't like this. He became very jealous that everyone was gathering around Rasulullah so in order to stop people from going to the gatherings of the Qur'an, on one of his business trips when he went, he purchased some, some women who were good at singing. When he came back to Makkah Mukarramah, he set up a stage and he had them sing. And as a result of this, people left those gatherings, the gatherings of dhikr, and they came to these gatherings of ma'asi and ghafla. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala references this incident in Surah Luqman. And the ulama who argue for the prohibition of music, they cite the verse of Surah Luqman. وَمِنَ النَّاسِ مَنْ يَشْتَرِي لَهُوَ الْحَدِيثِ لِيُضِلَّ عَنْ سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ بِغَيْرِ عِلْمٍ وَيَتَّخِذَهَا هُزْوًا In the Qur'an, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala refers to the Qur'an as وَنُنَزِّلُ مِنَ الْقُرْآنِ مَا هُوَ شِفَاءٌ وَرَحْمَةٌ لِلْمُؤْمِنِينَ That the Qur'an is a cure to the hearts of people. It cures them. Imam Qurtubi when talking about this cure, he says that the cure of the Qur'an can be seen in two ways. That the first cure the Qur'an offers is that it empowers people with knowledge. It removes ignorance from the hearts of people. So now when you are walking through your life and as you're going through your day to day, you now have a Qur'anic worldview. Obviously this is uh, based off of the proposal or the, the idea that you have an understanding of what you're reading. So now you're thinking of the akhirah, you're thinking of the grave, you're thinking of Jannah. These things are in your mind. And this is a big issue because there is an unfortunate reality in our community. And that is, on one side we have one group of people who have no appreciation for tafsir of Qur'an at all. For them, understanding the Qur'an, make a circle, everyone open a copy of the Qur'an, and say whatever you want about the Qur'an. What we call tafsir bin ray. This is haram in Islam. I'm not done. One step at a time. Do you guys understand this? You can't just make up interpretations of the Qur'an. On the other side, we have one group of people that are so terrified by this approach that they don't even read the translation of the Qur'an. They say, if we read the translation, then we're going to engage in tafsir bin ra'i, which is haram. So we're not going to, we're just going to read it and that's it. There is a middle path. The middle path that the Qur'an itself invites us to is, That you should reflect over the Qur'an. There is a difference between having tadabbur, which is reflecting over the message that Allah gives you. Allah says, reflect over the skies and the earth. Reflect. There's so many lessons there. 
But then there is an element of tafsir which involves understanding the intricacies of an ayah. You have no business speaking there. فَاسْأَلُوا أَهْلَ الذِّكْرِ إِن كُنْتُمْ لَا تَعْلَمُونَ Go and see what the Sahaba said. Go and see what Rasulullah said. Go look at the understanding of the Salaf and the scholars of the past, the jurists, Mufassirun, Muhadithun. You have no business here. Your job there is to read those ayat, say, Amanna wa Saddaqna, I believe and I accept. May Allah give us knowledge to understand these ayat and keep going. Unless you are a jurist, you have no business passing legal rulings there or sharing any opinion. Accepting that I am unqualified is humbling yourself before revelation. So tadabbur of the Qur'an, reflecting on it. When a person reflects on the Qur'an, it gives him a world view. And that cures the ailments of the heart. The second thing that he says is, وَأَنَّهُ شِفَاءٍ مِنَ الْأَمْرَاضِ الظَّاهِرَةِ بِالرُّقِيَةِ وَالتَّعَوُذِ That there is a second cure the Qur'an offers, which is not just an internal cure, it's an external cure. That by reading ayat of the Qur'an, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grants shifa to people. Many years ago, when I was imam in Chicago, um, this is a good almost like 14, 15 years ago. There was this man who came to the masjid, this Caucasian white guy, and he said, I'm, I'm, I'm having X, Y, and Z issue. And it sounded very clear from what he was saying that he was dealing with some jinn problems. Now, this isn't something that I have any specialty or expertise in at all. But he asked me for some cure. And I said, you know what? I remember the hadith where the Sahabi was traveling and there was a person that had some illness and he prescribed Surah Fatiha. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala granted him shifa. Sahih riwayah. So in that moment, I said to this man, who by the way was not Muslim. I said to him, read Surah Fatiha every day. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam referred to it as Surah al-Shifa, Shifa inshaAllah. This man who did not believe in Allah, he was not a Muslim. He read it for one week, he came back later, and he said, whatever it is that you gave me, it worked. It's gone, it's gone away. If the Qur'an can have an impact on someone who doesn't believe in it, first-hand experience, then what about those who believe in the Qur'an? For this cure to come, for the Qur'an to bring its sukoon, for it to be a source of rahmah, you must engage with this Qur'an with some adab. Imam Ghazali lists 10 of them. Unfortunately, we won't be able to cover all of them. But if Allah gives us life in our next session, inshallah, we'll cover some of them to understand what is the proper way to engage with the Qur'an so we can benefit most from it. وصلى الله تعالى على سيدنا محمد السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته